recording. We're recording. Woo, yeah, we're recording. With technical difficulties, but we're yeah. still here. Can't hear my volume. Nope. No no playback today. But hey, <laughs> we're, we're still doing this. Make it, make it happen. So. We'll, uh, we'll return the, the device and get a new one. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, make it happen. If anyone knows audio things, let us know. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> we need like an audio engineer. Please and thank you. Um, I guess you want to just jump right into this. Let's just jump right into it. This might be a shorter episode. Again, we're doing this really late at night. Well, yeah. And I'm well, going to be up really late. I feel like 10 pages, though. I do, but I feel like I'm going to go through them really fast. You like I like normally do. Read, like, tw- like one of those terms and conditions, people. Like you're. <laughs> I don't do it on purpose. It's okay, guys. Mine is like seven pages because I put some work into this one. Are you trying to say I didn't? Yes. Fuck you. No, not accurate at all. Whoa, F-bomb already. Hey, that yes. wasn't me, though. Let's just go on the record and making sure everyone knows that. It's okay. I love uh, you. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, this is, like, disorienting without having the headphones it's on. It's really weird. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, how do I even know that anything's happening? What does it sound like? Yeah. Well, whatever. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Super weird. So, I'm Mike. I'm Brandy. And this, and this is, is Sunshine, Sunshine and Murder. And Murder. do oh it's usually me you usually like what do you have for me today oh, or man. something After like that episode eight we've just thrown off the whole the we whole, have the whole thing the whole thing whole thing's, thing. whole it's thing's just, gone it's gone. <laughs> gone the rhythm has been destroyed because i can't hear myself or any of the other things yes so i blame you i didn't do it i didn't not you oh. i was looking you guys don't know this but i was looking at the scarlet 2i2 device that we use <laughs> And I blame it. Okay. Well, we should just get into this since nothing seems to be going our way today. I'm going to tell you the story of Elisa Lamb. Why have I heard that name before? Because you've heard that name before. Okay, cool. Glad we're on the same page. <laughs> so there's not a whole lot of information about her before things that happened. So I kind of pieced what I could find together. Uh-huh. So I'm sorry if it sounds like a little choppy or just kind of pieced together because that's what it is um so elisa was born in 1991 okay in canada Ooh. both of her parents were immigrants from hong kong nice and her family had opened a restaurant in burnaby just outside vancouver okay she had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and was prescribed four different medications to kind of treat it and help her kind of maintain a new normal for her so I know everybody has a general idea about bipolar, but I looked it up anyway. Yeah, give me the full textbook definition. So this is from the DSM-5. The who? It's the giant psychiatry book of all the disorders and like what qualifies them as certain disorders. DSM-5? Yes. Does it stand for something? Yeah. The DSM-5, or 
the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, Volume 5. So bipolar 1 disorder. For a diagnosis of bipolar 1, it is necessary to meet the following criteria for a manic episode. The manic episode may have been preceded by or followed by a hypomanic or major depressive episode. So bipolar 1 is classified by having a manic episode. Okay. And it's usually a distinct period of persistently elevated, expansive, or irritable mood and increased goal-directed activity or energy lasting at least a week and present most of the day, nearly every day of that week. Yeah. So that's a long dealing time. with a lot of shit. <laughs> yes. So during the period of the mood disturbance and increased activity, three of the following symptoms or more must be present to a significant degree in order to qualify. So it's inflated self-esteem. Okay. Decreased need for sleep. Feels rested after like three hours of mm-hmm. sleep or something crazy. More talkative than usual or pressure to keep talking, which is funny because that's how I felt when they put me on Adderall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A flight of ideas or subjective experience that thoughts are racing. Okay. Distractibility, which who doesn't have this one? Attention too easily drawn to unimportant or or irrelevant external stimuli. Mm-hmm. Increase in goal-directed activity, like socially or work or mm-hmm. something. But then there's also excessive evolve- involvement in activities that have a high potential for painful consequences. That's the one that's, at least I've heard of, is like bipolar people in manic episodes going on like shopping sprees mm. and going into major credit card debt. Mm. But it could also be anything from, like, sexual indiscretions ah. to crazy business investments. Okay, I was like, like wait, so I'm bipolar? No. <laughs> all of these things, they add up so well. So all of these have to sufficiently cause a marked impairment on them. It doesn't have to necessarily lead to hospitalization, but it could. Okay. And... The episodes cannot be attributed to outside effects like drug use or medication or any other medical treatment or anything like that. So if that's what they're taking, it has to be ruled out before they can be diagnosed with bipolar. It it has to be ruled out as a side effect of one of those things. Okay. Yes. Which makes sense. I mean, otherwise it's like, well, that medicine just makes me crazy or the medicine makes me like lethargic or or that. And that's just bipolar one. Yeah. There's a bunch more. And it's like, they all vary just slightly. Like, if you take bipolar 2, those people have never had a manic episode. Never. Never. So the second you've had a manic episode, you're bipolar bipolar 1. Okay. Bipolar 2 is like hypomanic episodes. So it's a slight increase in energy from their normal, but Mm -hmm. it's nothing like manic episodes. Okay. So some people probably won't notice a difference if they're in that hypomanic versus just like their normal kind of mood. I don't know which one she had because everything just said bipolar and kind of left it at that. Well, I feel like I feel like that's most of the time when people discuss bipolar disorder, it's just it's bipolar one. It's the manic episode. Well, it's all not. I'm not even saying specifically one. But I, yes, I would think that's more than likely what people are referring to. Mm-hmm. But that's. 
you're only ever you only ever hear it referred to as bipolar. You never hear someone yes. actually refer to themselves. Oh, I'm bipolar. You know, I'm diabetes type two. You know, I'm like yeah, I'm bipolar only, type two. The only one I ever hear is bipolar with like the depressive state hmm. that they kind of point out. Okay, which I think that only happens when that state is severe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as to like. In like a week or so, they're gonna fall off the face of the planet, and you're never gonna hear from them. But they'd still be in that type one. No, because that would be without a manic episode. Would that depressive state not be considered a manic episode? No, like it has to be the high yes. intensity, like to be considered a manic episode. Okay. Yes, at least with that definition. Okay. But one thing I do want to point out is that Elisa's family said she never attempted, talked about, or made any notions towards suicide. Okay. I want to point that out. <laughs> Putting that on the record right now. So, Elisa was an, quote, avid blogger. That's what everything said. And she had a Tumblr that was a mix of fashion photos, quotes. Uh, she wrote about how she was struggling with her mental health and just everyday life. So, she was a normal person. Nothing crazy. No warning signs. Nothing like, oh, this is a giant red flag. No, nothing. And... I had to Google Tumblr, not because I didn't know what it was. Oh, I was like, you haven't heard of Tumblr? No. I I had to see if they actually qualified themselves as a blog. Oh, yes. I didn't know that yes. part. Yeah. Did you never have a Tumblr? No. Hmm. Nope. I had a Tumblr for like a brief period. Because it was like, that was like sort of around the same time that i think i first got like a facebook or like right before mm. i got the fa- it was something along those lines yeah and then basically like it all just like went straight to facebook and like basically you were only on tumblr if you were doing some sort of like blog style thing and that was pretty much it yeah no <laughs> no not at all did not have any of this yeah okay i think uh my cousin ryan had a tumblr oh, still, he might sense. still have a tumblr actually i think i think cryotic has a tumblr we got sidetracked pretty hard. Anyway. She used Tumblr and she blogged. Do you yes. know what she blogged about? Yes. Her Tumblr consisted of like fashion photos, quotes. Uh, she wrote about how she was struggling with her mental health uh. and her bipolar disorder and then yep. just normal everyday things that she did. Got it. That was it. Which is like a, yeah, typical normal sort person. of blog. Nothing little, crazy. Normal, normal kid. Yeah. Nothing crazy. So in January of 2013. Mm-hmm. Lalisa went on a solo trip to California. Okay. Remember, she lived in Canada. Got it. The only way her parents agreed to this, because she was by herself, was if she called them every single day, like, check in, this is what I'm up to, this is where I'm going on this date, all of that. So she got on a bus to San Diego, where she went to the zoo and did some other touristy fun things. Then she went to Los Angeles on January 26th. Uh-oh. I feel like nothing good ever happens here. In LA. In, in these stories. At least in, in, yeah, I was going to say, at least in murder stories. Yes. So this is where she checked into the Cecil Hotel. Uh-huh. So some people who might be listening could know a lot about the Cecil Hotel because it's a little weird. It's a little odd. There are crazy things in its history. But the Cecil Hotel is said to be haunted or cursed or whatever you want to call it yeah if this is going where i think it's going you can definitely say those words a journalist once wrote about the cecil saying the cecil will reveal to you whatever you are a fugitive from so like it's gonna show you what's coming after you so at first elisa was sharing a room okay but she was moved 
when her roommates complained about her, quote, odd behavior. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say anything else. I guess they were never asked what qualified as odd behavior. It was just odd behavior. I would, I would, I mean, I would assume something in relation to her bipolar disorder. Yes, but we don't know to what extent. Like, like what, what was actually what happening. was actually happening. I think the Cecil was kind of more of a hostel type situation at that time, and then if you paid extra, you got your own room just because it was old, an older hotel, not in the best part of town. Sure. They're gonna try to fit as many people in there and they give you a discounted rate if you're not, yeah, you like, know, why not in your own room so i mean it could even be i don't know it could even have been like a, one of those uh like dorm style is the wrong way of saying it but where you like have a same you, you share a common area but yes. like you, you do have your own you room, have your but, own it's room like, but you share like the kitchen living room exactly. and all that stuff so elisa did keep her promise to her parents Called them every day, mm-hmm. told them about what she was doing. She was enjoying her trip. She was really happy. She was like, oh, I'm doing all these great things. All these best. Woo. So they were like, great. You're having a great time. We know your schedule. We have no worries about anything. And then Brandy's I'm- eyes, by the way. Just every, time she's, every time she says any line whatsoever, she just looks at me. And mm-hmm. I don't even, I can't see her mouth, but I know she's smiling because some crazy is about to happen. Because her eyes are just like the most expressive form her eyes could possibly be in right now. She's like, wait for this shit. On January 31st, the day Elisa was scheduled to head to Santa Cruz. There's the eyes again. Her parents didn't hear from her, and they immediately called the police and got on a plane to L.A. So the hotel staff was interviewed and said that Elisa was alone they never saw her with anybody suspicious. They never like saw anything weird. It was just normal touristy stuff. Uh, they interviewed the owner of a nearby bookstore who saw her that morning and said nothing was out of the ordinary. She was outgoing, very friendly. And she was looking for gifts for her family back home in Canada. And she said there was nothing wrong. The police searched her room at the hotel and called in search dogs, but didn't find anything. Or at least that's what was released at the time. So I found an update on this case. It's not a big update, but it was a Daily Mail article that said in an episode of Real Life Nightmare, a former LAPD detective was interviewed. And he said one thing that they kept from the public was that the search dogs did alert in a hallway to a window that led to the fire escape. Oh, that's like a huge... Well, sorry, I don't want to spoil anything, but that is something that should have been... Why they didn't release this particular part, I don't know. To me, it doesn't feel like something they would hold back. Because you know in certain cases, police will hold back like evidence or just something about the case so that if someone comes and confesses or they catch somebody... They have that piece to like catch them in a lie or know that they're telling the truth or know that they're the one that did it. This doesn't seem like something they would hold back. No. But that's what the detective said. He said most people don't know that the dogs did alert at that window that led to the fire escape. It just seems odd to me. That's Yeah. Unless he's like full of it. Yeah. Then again, that was the only place I could find it. Yeah. Was that he said it in an interview for this uh real life nightmare yeah. program. They haven't come out and like LAPD hasn't come out and been like, yes, Yes, this is what happened. Yeah. So take that with a grain of salt. 
Anyway, so the police didn't search every room in the hotel because they had to have probable cause that a crime was committed. Mm -hmm. And at this point, all they knew was that she was missing. There was no sign anything bad happened to her. No one saw her with anybody. No one. Well, and she's legally an adult. Yes. So it's like. Yeah. Just because she doesn't answer the phone doesn't mean she's. Exactly. On February 15th, 2013, the LAPD released a security camera video from the hotel. Obviously, I can't play it for everyone to watch because we're audio, but I'm going to make you watch it. And I do highly recommend that everyone watches this. Yes. I will link to it, or you can just go to YouTube and search her name, Elisa Lamb. It's a little disturbing, but not in the way everybody thinks, so it's fine. Okay, so in the video, right after she enters the elevator, she presses the buttons for a bunch of different floors. Then she stands back. Mm-hmm. Then she sticks her head out of the elevator like she's looking for someone or rather making sure someone isn't there. Mm-hmm. Then she... I, I would definitely say more like a, because making sure someone's not there. Yes. That's what it seems like. Well, I'll let you say the next part because. Um, then she ducks back inside. Yeah. And hides by the button panel in the elevator again like someone is after her like yeah. she's hiding from someone 100 percent. then she looks out of the elevator again and then steps out steps back in and then steps out again but this time she moves to the left where she's out of view of the camera all you can kind of see is her arm then she steps back in starts pushing buttons again I can't tell if they're the same buttons that she's pressing or she's pressing different floors, but nothing crazy like the other side of the panel lights up or anything. Then she steps back out, turns to the right like she's talking to someone, and she starts waving her hands, and it almost looks like she's petting something or like... I I don't know how to describe that motion. It's creepy. Yes. Then she walks off to the left out of view of the camera again. And then the rest of the video is the elevator doors opening and closing on all of the different floors. Yeah, it's it's disturbing, like incredibly disturbing. So Um, one thing about this is when they released the video, mm -hmm. LAPD obscured the timestamp. So you couldn't see any of that. Yeah. And then almost a minute is missing from the video without an explanation as to why oh yes it was like a whole minute yes it jumps oh yeah it could be because like someone walks by and they wanted to like take that person out i don't know but there's almost a minute that that like recontextualizes missing. the whole thing almost right like is that who she's talking to yeah if she's talking to anybody if she's talking to anybody and so what you're telling me is the LAPD murdered this girl and then deleted no. the minute of video proof. No. That that's I think that's on the record, guys. I think Brandy just said That is not what I'm saying at all. But no, I don't know how you could watch this video and not think she's having like one of her manic episodes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it is so it, clearly something is off. Yeah, with the context that she has bipolar with with that context well yeah because now let me give you some other context so there's a theory yeah that elisa is playing a game and i have to admit when i heard about this it freaked me the fuck out no no joke i think i I remember listening to this with you yes on and that's why i drink 
I feel like I remember us pausing it several times. Yes. Because I'm sure it was on a road trip. Otherwise, I don't know why I would have been listening to it. Together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like I distinctly remember going like, nope, hold on. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait a second. So I'm going to tell you about the game. Are you ready? Uh, No. So the game originates. Considering it's 1130. The game origi- originates on a Korean website. And this is how you play. So also, I don't recommend anyone actually do this. I wouldn't say I believe in the paranormal, but I also don't want anyone to fuck with it. <laughs> That's my thoughts exactly. I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, but I don't want to be proved wrong. Exactly. I mean, you know, what's the like, point? Why test those waters? Yeah. No, I'm good. <laughs> just to prove a point. I'm good. Thank you though. Okay. So here's how you play. So there's one person, so it's just you. And you need a building that's at least 10 stories tall preferably more, and an elevator. Have to have those three things or else this doesn't work. So you go into the building and go into the elevator on the first floor alone. It's very important. Press the button for the fourth floor. When the doors open, do not get out. Stay in the elevator and press the second floor. When the doors open, remain inside and press the sixth floor. When the doors open, remain inside, press the second floor. When the open, stay inside. Press the button for the 10th floor. When that opens, stay inside and press the button for the 5th floor. When the doors open, a young woman may enter the elevator. Do not look at her. Do not speak to her. She is not what she seems. Then press the 1st floor. Now, two things can happen. One, if the elevator goes to the 10th floor, you can keep going. If the elevator goes to the first floor, exit ASAP. Do not look back. Do not speak. If you reach the 10th floor, you may either get off or stay. If you leave the elevator, the woman who entered will ask, where are you going? Do not answer her. Do not look at her. You will know whether you have arrived at the other world by one indication. The only person present is you. If you choose to stay in the elevator, press the first floor and keep pressing it until the elevator finally reaches it. If it opens on any other floor, do not get out. Do not speak. Do not look back. And then there are specific instructions for returning from the other world. You must use the same elevator you arrived in. Press the buttons in the same order as before. So I hope you wrote them down. And then on the fifth floor, If the elevator starts to go up, press any other button to cancel. You must cancel before you reach the 10th floor. When you reach the first floor, if anything seems off, do not exit the elevator. Repeat step two until everything has returned to normal. There was one note concerning the woman. If you speak to her or look at her, she may decide to keep you as one of her own. I don't know what that means, and I don't want to know what that means. I'm so happy you picked this story tonight. It's great. God. We were, it's so funny because we were just talking about like creepypastas and stuff earlier because you watched that Slenderman yeah, uh, documentary. documentary. Mm-hmm. And it's literally like textbook definition of the no sleep subreddit. Yeah. Like editing oh, this, I'm going to have to listen on. to something that's like happy in the background. Come on. I was going to say, we're going to watch 
some office or some cheers mm-hmm. or something. In between. Yeah. God. I hate you. I love you. So that's one theory is that she's playing this game. I don't know why she would be like, you know what? This sounds like a great idea to do while I'm by myself in the Cecil Hotel. Especially if it's already considered to be haunted. Yeah. I also don't know if she knows about it. Oh, like history? But I feel like that would come up if you tried to book a room. or. Well, not even just that. I think if I was going to play this game, yeah, that would be one of the first things I looked up about the hotel that I was at. Because like, in all, in all fairness, if I'm serious about like trying to go to the other world... I would probably pick a hotel that supposedly has like a connection already. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that's something that I truly wanted to do. Yeah. Which I don't. (laughs) But if I did. No, thank you. I would at least do my due diligence and make sure that I was doing it in quote like the best possible place to do it. Which would make sense. So. Yeah. That makes sense. The overlook is unavailable. So yeah. (laughs) Darn. So while Elisa, Elisa was missing. The Cecil Hotel began to have some issues. People were complaining about the water pressure, and some claimed that their water looked black and had an unusual taste. Then on February 19th, a maintenance man went to check the water tower to see if something was wrong there, because everything seemed to be fine pipe-wise and whatever. When he got to the roof, he noticed the hatch to the water tower was open. He looked inside and found the body of Elisa Lamb, lying face up in the water no i'm still creeped out i don't know what you want me to say (laughs) like i'm thankful they found her dead body because you can lay her to rest yes i'm also thankful they found her dead body because she's not trapped in the other world or at least her body isn't maybe her spirit is Maybe she talked to but the I woman. But I can at least pretend there's a silver lining and yeah. maybe that like, well, not that I would call that a silver lining, I guess. Is it better to be trapped in the other world for all eternity and who knows what is happening? Well, I mean, especially or is it better to be dead? The, only, the way you realize it's the other world is that you're the only person there. That kind of sounds awful. Right? What's the point? But you're the only person mm. there. Is that the, is that the kicker? That, that might be the caveat, yeah. So first responders had to cut the tank open in order to remove her body because it was it was like 10 feet high. And then like also the water was, you know, going down and stuff inside. And Mm -hmm. so they had to cut it open in order to get her out without like scraping her body or anything. Yeah. Um, Also, because it's in my head. Right. mm -hmm. Picture if you've ever seen The Walking Dead when they're pulling the bloated walker out of the well. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Probably very Difficult. similar to uh, that. Yes. You know what I, I mean? Like I would imagine. So the coroner said they didn't find any sign of sexual assault or foul play or any sign that someone else caused her death. They did do a toxicology report, which showed that she was taking her medication at the yeah. time of her death. And they ruled it an accidental drowning with her bipolar disorder as a significant factor. Mm-hmm. Which, sure. Well. But it doesn't explain anything. So I am i don't have bipolar disorder. You don't have bipolar disorder. Yeah. I don't know anyone off the top of my head that I can call right now to ask them what it's like. But, yeah. like, just because you're taking your medication, does that mean you're 100% free and clear no. from having an episode? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, if you could still have an episode then I would say, if you watch that video, it feels like she's having an episode. Yeah. 
I, you know what I mean? I would assume it's like any mental disorder where you have to figure out your like concoction sure. of medication to get you to where you need to be. And then I, you're still not, you know, I guess protected from having an episode. Yeah, or I guess my question because yeah. like, if you can still have an episode, then like I feel like it does explain quite a bit because she could have had an episode. Well, yeah. It doesn't necessarily how she, explain how she ended up in the yes. water like, like there are she certain just happened things. to mm-hmm. go up there like there are certain things about her death that don't make sense and aren't explained by having a manic episode yeah like she just wandered up to the water you know what i mean like, yeah which again is is certainly possible yeah it just but there are things like the roof was closed off to guests like they had to have she would have had to have gone through a locked alarm door in order to get up there but no one ever heard an alarm yeah. but then that brings me back to what the retired LAPD detective said mm-hmm. and if she did go up the fire escape that would be how she got on the roof mm-hmm. but then how does she get into the water tank because again they're like 10 feet high they usually need a ladder they said there was none up there so unless somebody took one mm-hmm. before the maintenance guy found her how does she get in and then they're covered by these really heavy um like i don't know what you would call them like latch covers Mm -hmm. so how does she get in and then also pull it back like close it how does she get in the tank and then close it when they were saying they'd be surprised if she could lift it from the outside like it just doesn't it doesn't add i'm not saying i don't have questions I'm just saying that I would like for this to be a manic episode yes. and not to be a <laughs> supernatural one. Yes. There's also the question of if she did go up the fire escape, how come no one saw her? I mean, you... But especially if it was during the day, because mm-hmm. that video is from what it looks like during the day. Well, we don't see we sunlight don't... necessarily. We, we see, see light. light. Yeah. And... Again, you can't see the timestamp. Yeah. So you don't know what time it is. So I guess if it was at night, you're not going to see this person climbing up the fire escape. And they're probably, you know, every room in the Cecil Hotel wasn't full. So no one's going to hear her climb out the window. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. This this whole story is full of, like, more questions than than answers. And, like, you could argue like you could write this in a way that pegs it as purely a woman who had a episode yes and you would have all your answers yes but there's other things that you could then point out after the fact and be like oh but this but that doesn't explain this part like her phone was never found even after they found her body emptied the water Mm -hmm. tank never found her phone and her tumblr kept updating well, you can schedule posts. Well, that's what I was going to say. The police said that they didn't know if someone had her phone and was... Like updating it or Updating something. it, or if she just had a whole bunch of posts scheduled to go. Yeah. And that's what was going up. It's, Either way, I mean, it's, it's, it's it adds to the creepy weird. factor. Yeah, yeah, it adds to it. I, I think if it wasn't for the video, her death would not be talked about as much as it is. Because it... For sure. Of course, there are still weird things, but it would be easier to attribute it to a manic episode without the video 
Yeah, but my I guess my thing is too though the video I would argue makes it look more like a manic episode because like she's doing these weird gestures and she seems very like well yes but like I don't think anybody would attribute it to that elevator game and then added the whole paranormal thing into it without that video oh no for sure I mean a hundred percent unequivocally yes so another theory that people have is that. Elisa had taken some ecstasy, which I looked up. They wouldn't have found in her system because in a blood test, it it only stays in the system for about two days. Oh, and she was... And she was in there for longer than two days. So they wouldn't have found ecstasy in her system. Now, could she have taken it by accident? Like someone put it in something? Laced something. Of course. Like Like, it's always a possibility. I think the idea of her having a like psychotic break or a manic episode is more likely it's just other things don't seem to add up with it yeah when you and here's the beautiful 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 thing about creepypastas in general yeah they the thing that makes them creepy is how well they're written and how well they can like easily fit into like other things other things or a scenario yeah like if you read I'm gonna I'm gonna link it now just because we're talking about creepypastas. I'm gonna find uh, there's like a whole series of them, but it's like on these these like rescue workers and like other people that like have found like random staircases in the woods. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. And like, man, do not read that when mm-hmm. it is dark outside. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Yeah, it's disturbing. And then you hear people talk about how they went up the staircase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They came back down. Everything was different. Yeah, you just don't want to. Yeah, no. Yeah. Don't yeah. do it. I honestly don't think we'll ever have a definitive answer to this. I mean, how could you, you know? I mean, her, wa- her water was in the body so long. <sighs> her body was in the water so long that it kind of washed away anything that they could have found if someone else was involved. Yeah, I mean, they're going to find DNA evidence on that. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's just. In, it's in someone else's stomach yeah. right now being yeah. digested. I mean, <laughs> it's in the black the water, water that someone <laughs> tasted. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone, for the sounds. I can't hear what they sound like right now, so I, <laughs> you have to let me know. I just imagine those people finding out that the weird taste in their water was a dead body. I would. I don't know if I would ever recover. No. I would like constantly carry my own water Purified bottles. I would just like. I would have to see it open. Yeah. It, yeah. I would have like one of those life straws or whatever yes. that filters like yes. constantly. Filters everything because I do not want to know what that nope. tastes like. No. Nope. In all honesty, if I saw like if I stayed at the Cecil Hotel. Yes. And I like left that morning or whatever and I was like, guys, by the way, your water tastes a little funny. Mm-hmm. You should probably check on that. I And I saw like a story the next day or whatever it was yeah. like dead girl found it. I would probably just never open it. <laughs> I'd be like, don't want to know where they found her i'm good <laughs> never want to know but you know the headline would be dead girl found in water yes tower exactly Hotel. exactly i don't know what happened to her no what do you think happened to her that's my thing is i don't entirely know obviously there's something wrong in the video that's clear i mean anyone who watches the video can tell that there's very clearly something wrong yes i don't know if she took something if her medication was reacting with something else if she was having a manic episode like i don't know and 
I feel like the manic episodes vary from person to person. So they're not exactly the same all the time. So you, how can you 100% tell without talking to the person? Yeah, exactly. You, you can't ask her like, hey, what was that episode yeah. like when you freaking and jumped in the water tank? Being by herself is, you know, the first time she was ever in a different country. Mm-hmm on her own and so, in LA I mean that's like a yeah, huge city a, to be in so I mean you can't compare that like what she's doing in the video to any other episode that she's had sure. because all of the stressors that she's having here by herself in LA are completely different than whatever she has at home so it's gonna be different most likely I mean I would assume so as well I have there's just no way for you to know no I think if it was drugs, if she was on something like ecstasy or something else, it could explain how she got into the water tank. Just because you hear, not necessarily on ecstasy, but you hear stories about people who take drugs doing crazy things and like having like that weird strength. Yeah. So somehow climbing up the water tower and getting in might make sense if she was on something. Yeah. But could that happen in a manic episode? I don't see why not. Yeah, I don't know. Just, like, determined to get into that water tank. So I hope that... to never find out. Agree. That's all I have. <laughs> that That's literally the all pause. there is. <gasps> and that's it. That's it. Everybody should watch the video, though. It's super disturbing. Oh, yeah, I mean, make that your top link for sure. Yes. Like, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Very, very disturbing. Very disturbing. Are you, are you going to make us all feel better now? Do yourself a favor. Google some, like creepy music first play that in the background while you watch the video even better don't do it by yourself no do it by yourself um if you do it by yourself make sure you have something happy to watch afterwards because you will need it nope because i swear to god it feels like someone's behind you the entire time yeah no 100 percent like you need to watch this video by Mm -hmm. yourself uh with the lights off at like 1 a.m. and you have with to creepy think, music think playing. about the elevator game think about the game the whole time think yes. about the woman looking at you and speaking to you and but do you all can't that look at her you can't talk to nope, her can't do that can't turn around oh, i hope you're listening to this podcast at like midnight you're welcome <laughs> i think that's the worst part is that you can't turn around so you just yeah, cool, automatically your natural reaction is to like turn yeah when talking to you. yeah but you can't turn around so you automatically feel like there's somebody behind you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember listening to, and that's why we drink, do this. And I was like, yep, someone's in the backseat of the car. <laughs> 100% someone and is sitting I'm in the backseat. And I'm going to die. Yeah. I was like, we need to listen to something happier. Please and thank you. Uh, we have a plethora of options now. That was obviously <laughs> a long time ago. Yes. Listen to some Adventure Zone. Office Ladies. Office Ladies. I haven't listened to that one yet. You should. It's great. What else? Stuff you should know from how stuff works. Yeah, it's an option. Ear hustle. That your. It's a little happier. One, right? Other happy podcast. Sometimes the second half of this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes. But see, that's why this story works because have the creepy aspect, and then we talk about something else. So then you're like, okay, I feel better. But sometimes I talk about murder too. And you like about murder missing today? people. And no, I don't do that today. Okay. So then it works. Today, I'm telling you about Nellie Bly. Who is Nellie Bly? 
Wouldn't you like to know? Yes, I would. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the. I, I didn't have a huge like intro. You normally have like a long like intro, oh, like okay. you know, and then I give you the paragraph, and then I hit you with today. We're discussing. Yes. Nellie Bly, and I don't have that today, unless you want to rearrange my sentences here. It's up to you. But I do have a question <laughs> for you. Okay. How old are you? Do I have to answer that? You do. Why? <laughs> Why? I could just give them their year, your year, and they can do some math. But I feel like this works better if you say how old you are. Thirty-one. <laughs> Baby whisper. Thirty-one. Thirty-one. Uh, so if you didn't hear that, Brandy is thirty-one. I am twenty-six, soon to be twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. I want you to keep those numbers in mind. Think about how old you are, and think about what you were doing around the time you were in your, you know, like twenties. <laughs> okay right yeah okay Just bear that in mind for the rest of this story oh, good god you're welcome i'm gonna feel like a piece of shit aren't i so born elizabeth jane cochran may 5th 1864 in cochran's mills wait i have a question uh i have an answer so her last name was cochran and she was born in cochran mills Cochran's Mills. Oh, thank you very much. There's an apostrophe s in there. Oh, so it belonged to them. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I was gonna say, does that give you the answer yes. you're looking for? Um, which, for everyone knows, is now part of the Pittsburgh suburb of Burrell Township in Armstrong County. How bad did you butcher that? Uh, probably pretty bad. I mean, not too bad. Uh, it, which is about 43 miles outside Pittsburgh, just for some like oh. geographical reference. Okay. I say that like. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, Pittsburgh. I mean, I've been in Pittsylvania all the time. (laughs) All the time. Just so everyone knows, for the rest of the time that I'm telling this story, I'm going to be using Nellie Bly as her name or Nellie as her name. I won't be saying Elizabeth Jane Cochran or Elizabeth or any of those things. Okay. Because it's not the name that she chose to go by. And so just to keep things concise. So did she just kind of pick that name out of nowhere? Mm -hmm. Or are you telling me that Nellie is short for like Elizabeth or something? You know what? I want you to think that it's short for Elizabeth (laughs) until I tell you what the reason is. Got it. Okay. So her parents are Michael Cochran, or were Michael Cochran and Mary Jane Kennedy. Uh, ooh. Ooh. I couldn't really find any info on Mary Jane, which is weird. But Michael Cochran actually worked his way up from a laborer uh, slash mill worker. He ended up buying the mill in town and most of the land surrounding it. Uh, and he eventually be, went on to become like a postmaster, like a merchant. He was the associate justice in Cochran's Mills, which is obviously named after him. After he bought it and like bought all the land, so he conceded much. (laughs) He bought the mill and the land, Mm -hmm. and then renamed it after him, or like the people renamed it after him. Yeah, I'm assuming the town sort of sprouted up bigger around that, and because he had the mills, it was like the town was like part of Cochran's Mills, Mm -hmm. and okay, that's my assumption. I'm because of the way they specify like the land surrounding it. I'm assuming that some of these places are probably built on his land, and like he allowed them to, and it, you know, that makes sense. That's what I'm guessing, at least. So Nellie was one of 15 children. Holy Jesus! To be fair, she really only had five kids in her immediate family. Michael had 10 children with his first wife, Catherine Murphy. Okay. And then five more with his second wife, Mary Jane Kennedy. So she was the like first the wife one of go, five. Like, I am never having more children. You can get <laughs> the fuck away from We are getting divorced. <laughs> I mean, 10 kids. That's that's that a lot of kids. Poor woman. That is a lot of kids. And then, so yeah, and then five more with the second wife. And obviously, Elizabeth Nellie being one of those. Yeah. So growing up, everyone actually called Nellie Pinky. 
uh, as more than off, more often than not, that was the color you would find her dressed in. Like oh, okay, every that time makes you sense. saw her, she was in these cute little like pink, pink dresses, dresses, this, that, and the other. Yeah, not a lot of info sort of on her like early life as mm-hmm. far as that goes. But when Nellie was just six years old, her father Michael passed away. Uh, left just her mother, Mary Jane, alone to basically keep the family afloat and to sort of take care of the you know five kids. Um, fortunately, Michael was a very wealthy man. Unfortunately, he had 15 children between two marriages. Yeah. So that money went pretty quick after he died. I could imagine. Uh, Mary Jane ended up marrying and eventually divorcing another guy. The only thing you could really find about him is that he was like apparently very abusive. Mm. Um, but they did eventually Dick. leave him. Yeah. As a teenager, uh, Nellie decided to change her image to be more sophisticated, apparently. She was Ooh. like, I'm going to be a little more posh. Okay. Uh, she actually dropped the Pinky nickname, so finally she was like, not going by Pinky anymore. Don't call me Pinky. Uh, and then she also- What did she do? Start wearing mauve? <laughs> You're welcome for the two people out there that got the <laughs> joke. Uh, that was good. That was- <laughs> yeah, that was good. Okay. <laughs> So to add to the sophisticated image, I yes. guess, uh, she added an E to her last name. So instead of Cochran, C-O-C-H-R-A-N, she changed it to C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E. Okay. Which I guess maybe just looks a little more posh because it's got the like E on the end or something. I don't know. But she changed it. Okay. So well, there's I mean, that. But doesn't that just mean like... When you go around going, no, mine has an E on the end. Be like, oh, so you're not related to these multi-million dollar people who own the town. I mean, I mean, being that one is kind of fair. One of his children, people probably knew that she was related to him. Yeah, but it feels like she's kind of like distancing herself from them. Well, a little bit. Yeah, so you would think. You to try, be more posh, you would want to keep keep the, the name because you're like, ooh, we're wealthy. Although, again, like at that point in time, oh, that's fair. They weren't really wealthy. All the money was all basically the money gone, went. and he, you know, dad was dead. So yeah. it's like trying to like forge your own sort of sophisticated yeah. identity. In 1879, at the age of 15, uh, Nellie enrolled at Indiana Normal School, which is probably my favorite name for a school in the history of schools. <laughs> I'm going to the normal school. <laughs> I'm going to normal school. Um, which is now the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never understood that. That's like you're welcome. the signs that you see here. It's like New York Film Academy. I'm like, I am in the wrong state. Uh, what? What happened? Yeah. This is LA, right? Yeah, no. Uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. So I'm not sure what happened okay. there. Okay. I, I almost wanted to do a whole story on that school just to like figure out what, <laughs> figure what the naming happened. thing was. but uh, <laughs> Maybe next week. But, yeah. So she only was able to enroll for one term. Uh, She was actually forced to drop out due to lack of funds, which, again, Mm. the money was kind of gone. In 1880, after she finally got divorced, Nellie's mom, Mary Jane, ended up moving the family, so her and the five kids, to Pittsburgh. Okay. So they moved that 43 miles into Pittsburgh. Um, And this is where the fun begins. Begins, and you feel like you accomplished nothing in your 20s. I mean, I already feel that way, so it's fine. Oh, yeah, you're in your 30s. You can feel that way, I guess. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't feel that way. You're very accomplished, Brandon Taylor. Do I need to talk you up on this podcast right now? No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break off of my story at the 57-minute mark. And no. I'm going to just talk you up on this podcast. That's fine. No one will believe you anyway. I'll believe me. That's all that matters. That's true. So in 1884, the Pittsburgh Dispatch uh, put out a column, which is a newspaper, put out a column entitled, quote, What Girls Are Good For? end quote Mm. uh it said that girls were quote 
principally for birthing children and keeping house. Fuck off. End quote. Uh, Nellie, who was now 20, mm-hmm. was not having that at all. No. Even a little bit. No. So she wrote a response. Good. She sent them a response. Uh, she used the pseudonym Lonely Orphan Girl. Aw. The editor of the dispatch, uh, one George Madden, was so impressed with her passion, he actually ran an advertisement in the Pittsburgh Dispatch, in the newspaper, asking the author of the letter, the response, mm-hmm. to identify herself, like to come in and like, yeah. tell him who she was. And sure enough, Nellie went, introduced herself to the editor, George Madden, and basically almost on the spot, he offered her the opportunity to write like a piece for the newspaper he was like do you want to write like an article for us like you can use your same lonely orphan girl pseudonym and like you know see what happens but i thought girls weren't good for writing he was impressed by the letter it was like a response to sort of like you know women and mm-hmm. working and you know, so he that. didn't actually believe the article or it changed his mind type of thing yeah, or at least the the writing and the argument that she was presenting was presented well enough that he was willing to be like, ooh, this will sell some papers if I put this, That's you know true. what I mean, like yeah. in my, yeah. So her first article for the dispatch was titled The Girl Puzzle. Ooh. Ooh. And that was a sort of, not necessarily a direct response, but it was sort of in the same vein of a response to that original, like what girls are good for article that was published. Uh-huh. Um, and so the article, I guess, really focuses on the struggles of lower class single mothers. Okay. And like sort of like working mothers and mothers taking care of kids and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And I'm actually, I, I link off on the website. You'll see it. There's a Mental Floss article that goes into like great detail sort of floss. about not only her column, The Girl Puzzle, but also talks a little bit more about the what girls are good for. So you can kind of get some okay. context too. But again, Madden was like incredibly impressed. So he was like, this is freaking fantastic. Like, this is great. You want to work here full time? And she's like, absolutely. And she's like, yeah, I've wanted to write my entire life. Aww. So this is not even like a question. Like, and let's she's do it. 20? 20 years old. Oh, my God. Okay. How's it make you feel? Old. <laughs> uh, I got a little history fun fact for you, too. Uh, so at the fun time. Facts. Fun fact. At the time, it was customary for women who were newspaper writers to use pen names, which you're like, they wouldn't yeah. give them credit because they're women. They yes. didn't want people to think women were, I don't know. Women can't like, do oh, stuff. Oh, you so. said this yeah, because like, you're don't. a woman, so they use pen names for people to think that they're men, or at least, or at least to not identify the yes. women in case, yeah, whatever people are reason. assholes, which we all know they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the weirder part to me is that at least her, um, mm-hmm. Nellie, I'm assuming everyone didn't get to pick the name they used. What? She didn't pick her pen name. George Madden actually chose the name Nellie Bly for her after an African-American title character in the popular song Nellie Bly by Stephen Foster. And I linked to that in like sort of a, a wiki uh, on the song itself that sort of describes the song a little bit and you yeah. see the lyrics and all that. But And I found like an actual folky version of the, the song. Weird. But yeah, the song is a N-E-L-L-Y, whereas her spelling of her name is N-E-L-L-I. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of like change the spelling, but it's yeah. it's that's the where the name comes from, is from that song. But he chose it for weird the name that she is famous for, like people call her and she goes by her. was chosen for her, yeah, huh? Which is weird. Okay, super weird. Just a f- history fun fact, but it was only because women had these pen names back then. 
so her early work writing focused on the lives of of working women. That yes. was sort of her main focus. Uh, she wrote a whole series of investigative articles on women factory workers. Okay. So she went in and was like writing all these articles articles about like women working in factories and like you know them being mistreated and like this that and the other. Yeah. And holy f, people were upset big time. Really? Oh yeah. And I mean, when I say people were upset, men. In reality, the dispatch received tons of complaints from mostly factory owners and men about the article. Which makes sense. I mean, yes. Which, again, that's probably why they use pen names. Yeah. They, in fact, received so many complaints that she was reassigned to, quote, the women's pages, Mm. end quote, and ended up just covering fashion, society, gardening, and basically all of which were, were the usual roles for women journalists at the time. Which I get. That she was like, I want to write, so I'm going to keep writing no matter what. Mm-hmm. But you don't go up to him and be like, dude, that's not why you hired me. Yeah. You hired me because you liked what I was saying. And yeah, it's going to upset some people, but it sells more papers. I mean, yeah. The look on your face. No, it's just I love when you uh, you jump ahead. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I didn't no, mean don't to. apologize. It's always funny because it's always like you have a thought and I'm like, if only you waited one second I'm so sorry. all your fears and problems would be alleviated they would be lifted from your shoulders and you would be comfortable and calm so obviously she became dissatisfied very quickly as yes. you can say like dude this is not why you hired me what is going on yeah so in 1885 mm-hmm. one year later at the age of 21 and i don't have like months here so i don't know how exactly how many months later this was but at the age of 21 she was determined it was actually a month later after her birthday, and she was like, no, nah, I don't exactly. want to do this anymore. Exactly. She's like, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. But exactly, that sort of like tenacity that she has, she basically said, and the exact quote was, she wanted to, quote, do something no girl has ever done before, end quote. Keep in mind, she's 21. So for the Pittsburgh Dispatch, she left for Mexico to what? be a foreign correspondent, like journalist, I guess. Okay. 21 years old goes to mexico she's like yeah i'm i'm, I'm gonna do it i'm gone i'm gonna go write okay I'm gonna bye be a journalist yep so she Good spent for her. yeah she spent nearly a year and a half reporting on the lives and customs of mexican people in uh, mexico okay yeah uh her writings were actually later published in a book like book form Ooh. so instead of like the series of articles that came mm-hmm. out it yeah it's titled uh six months in mexico um which obviously i linked to on the website check it out it's actually only 99 cents on kindle what? So if you're a Kindle reader, what what super cheap, or six ninety nine in paperback. Obviously, I wrote it down. Just <laughs> you can delete it if you want to. In one dispatch in particular, she actually protested the imprisonment of a local journalist in Mexico for criticizing the Mexican government, uh, which was then under a dictatorship under. Oh God, I've said this thirty times earlier. At least I'm not the only one butchering names. Porfirio Diaz. I like it. That's what we're going with. I like it. Porfirio. Uh, P-O-R-F-I-R-I-O. Okay. So, yeah, they were under a dictatorship. This journalist, who I don't have a name for, basically criticized the government, and they locked him up. And she was like, yo, that's wrong. This is bad. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, So Mexican authorities learned about her story. Mm. And then they were like, hey, we're going to arrest you if you do that again. Because, you know what? We're just going to arrest you. And she was like, oh, okay, bye. Bye. So she left. Uh, (laughs) 
Back to Pittsburgh. I would too. Oh, I mean, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she got back home, she basically like went off on uh, Diaz, like accused him of being like a tyrannical like czar, like a oh, straight wow. up, like she was going to town. He was suppressing the Mexican people and controlling the press. Like definitely as soon as she was not going to be arrested and probably yes. killed, she yes. was like, hey, guys, this is really bad. Mm-hmm. Bad things are happening. Let me tell you the truth about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so that was like the first big sort of story or like that's the, her first big book anyway, you know, that okay. she like did. Yeah. I just want to point out, he said first big book that she did. Well, I know it's not a book. It's like her series of articles. No, I know. But... I know. Oh, the I, first, I, the first, first big is one? What I, yeah, is what I that's probably the, like the least, the, the thing that she's the least known for, I would argue, is that particular one. The next two things are the things that like she is very much known for. So Nellie, now back home in Pittsburgh, yeah. was relegated back to the same old women's mm. pages. Yeah, they immediately just put her like, all right, back to your, you know, schlop, all the crap that you have to write, you know, the gardening or whatever. Stuff. Yeah. So that dissatisfaction sort of started to creep back in on her, you know? Yeah. So in 1887, at the age of 23, she ended up leaving the Pittsburgh Dispatch. Yeah. She peaced out and was like, I'm going to New York. Okay. Which... I'm guessing it's because at the time they had like a bunch of big newspapers, newspapers and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's New York. So there could have been women writing for it. Yeah. You know, why not? Yeah. So after four months in New York. Yeah. And Nellie was broke. Flat broke. Makes sense. I mean, I don't know how you could expect that to go any other way. Yeah. No matter what awesome shit you did before, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you need like a lot of money saved up yes. to go to New York. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, so she was flat broke and was like, I'm going to, I need to figure something out. What am I going to do? Yeah. So somehow, I, and no matter what I Googled, I couldn't find how, but somehow Nellie managed to talk herself into Joseph Pulitzer's newspaper, The New York World. And yes, that <laughs> Pulitzer, like the prize. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. So she talked into his newspaper, The, the New York World, and her first assignment Nothing crazy. Pretty, you know. I don't believe you. Pretty, pretty run-of-the-mill uh, story. I don't believe you. So she agreed to feign insanity to go undercover <laughs> and write an investigative report on the brutality and neglect at the Women's Lunatic Asylum on Blackwell's Island. Yes. What? When people do stuff like this, it always concerns me. How are they going to get out? Well, and that was the exact like thought too, yeah. right? Like how in uh, there's it it's in a trailer for one of the movies because there's not like an actual quote that I can pull from because I didn't read the actual book that she like based yeah. on these articles, but in literally like the line in both of the trailers that I, I'm gonna link off here and tell you about in a minute, the line is mentioned. She's like, "Well, how am I gonna get back out?" And mm-hmm. the dude Joseph Pulitzer is literally like, "I don't know." <laughs> like, <laughs> ah, I'm f- We'll figure something out, I guess. Because it always seems to happen whenever, when you see in movies and TV shows and things, they're just like, oh, no, you think you're writing for a newspaper? You think you're doing this? You think you're psychic? Mm -hmm. It's an actual disease, and you're having a delusion, and they want to keep you. It's like, oh, no. Just you wait. Oh, God. So, yeah, so she agreed to do this. Uh, So she was going to try to, you know, 
basically go undercover at the Women's Lunatic Asylum on Blackwell's Island. Uh Blackwell's Island is now Roosevelt Island for anyone who's unfamiliar with what Blackwell's Island is. Me. (laughs) Me. And uh, Roosevelt Island is the opposite of Manhattan and like sort of the Bronx, right? Mm -hmm. Like that whole. So first she decided to check herself into a boarding house called Temporary Home for Females. Okay. Uh, Yeah, she ended up staying up all night that night to give herself (laughs) what she said was, quote, the wide-eyed look of a disturbed woman. That one right there. <laughs> and uh, began making accusations that all the other boarders were insane. So she'd go around mm. like being like, you're crazy. Oh my gosh, you're crazy. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't, what are these people going to do? Hey, you never know what people are going to do. Like, people are crazy. Yeah. She apparently refused to go to bed. Like, when people were like, you should go to, like, get some sleep. Honey, she would, she would refuse to go, to go to bed. And she eventually scared so many of the other boarders that they ended up calling the police. So the police showed up in the morning and like grabbed her, took her to a courthouse, and uh, after being examined by police, yeah, a judge, mm-hmm. and finally a doctor, mm-hmm. Nellie was taken to Blackwell's Island. Oh my god! Yeah, which I just want to go on the record of saying, she was able to get sent to an asylum after one night of making people think she's crazy. <laughs> she must have been really good at it. Well, that or that just speaks volumes on like. Well, yes, but also. It said she was evaluated by the police and the judge. Like, who are they to evaluate you? Well, yeah, and then ultimately evaluated by a doctor. So the doctor well, still yeah, had the, the doctor final, was like, still there, but but yes, is he actually evaluating her, or is he just going off of what the police well, and the judge say? Yeah, and I mean, we will never know. But she was finally committed to the asylum, mm-hmm. so they ended up committing her. And man, she experienced firsthand like how truly terrible it really was because obviously the whole reason was they heard things were bad there yes but they had no way to prove it Mm -hmm. so some of the things uh that i pulled sort of from her her writing and and there's a whole series of articles she wrote on this it's published as a book i'll get to that in a minute but just keep that in mind okay so the food yes was apparently there was apparently a gruel broth which I will say now. You always hear about gruel, but I don't know what it is. Same. I did not know gruel Mm -hmm. was a real thing. What? Well, I thought gruel was like an adjective or like a word that was like made up to describe like disgusting. Okay. Like prison food or something. You know what I mean? Like that was because the context that it's used in. Mm Mm-hmm. I always just assumed that it was like a really bad, like nasty, almost like a. Like a gray chili or something. Yes. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Something you very much don't want to eat. School food. But. but School food. Gruel is 100% a real thing with a real definition. It is a thin liquid food of oatmeal or other meal boiled in milk or water. Meal being like rice or, you know, like yeah. oats or anything. Yeah. So, yeah, boiled in milk or water. So it's watered down oatmeal. Yeah. If, or, if they make or, it with oatmeal. Or watered down or milked, I guess, but like watered down like rice soup. Like, yeah. But that's gruel. Huh. Apparently there was the the meat they were served was spoiled beef. Gross. The bread was a, a, effectively like a dried dough, like it was basically just like dough that had hardened. Ew. Um, she said the water was completely dirty and undrinkable. Ew. That's was not there even a like body the, in the water. That's thing? not even the. <laughs> that's probably what it was. 
That's not even the worst step, honestly. Um, this is for the tr- she said for the treatment. The nurses would shout at the patients and cost- constantly tell them to shut up. And if they didn't shut up, they do they would be beaten. So they would just beat the crap out of them, which is like they didn't know how to handle them. But at the same time, it's unfortunate because it's one of those things that like. You see all those movies and stuff, like dealing yeah. with asylums, and you're like, oh, well, that's not how things... Like, this is a movie. It's dramatic. No, no it sounds like that's probably exactly... How it was. How it was. So they would t- tie up the dangerous patients together, so they would, like, take two patients that were, like, crazy and could not be, like, could barely be handled or, like, that might like hurt somebody. Idea. And they would literally, like, tie them together with rope. Uh, they Why said, didn't they just put, do, like, cage match? Honestly, they might have at that point. She said the patients were made to sit for most of the day on these, like, hard benches outside with barely any protection from the cold. And that's just, like, you stay there all day, and that's it. Uh, She said there was, like, waste all around the eating areas, just, like, food waste and other waste around the eating areas, like, all over the place. Uh, There was constantly rats crawling all over the prison. Um, So just not a very, like, clean environment at all. You know what's really sad? Hmm. This is in the 18... 80s correct in the 1980s they weren't much different i was gonna say they don't seem like they really improved a lot no like there were mental patients walking around naked they were like being hosed down with ice cold water there were rats running around they were in buildings that didn't have lights and were kept in the dark the whole time like they didn't change much in a hundred years hold on to that ice cold water bit so she wrote on the effect of her experience, right? I have a quote for you from her book. What accepting torture would produce insanity quicker than this treatment? Here is a class of women sent to be cured. I would like the expert physicians who are condemning me for my action, which has proven their ability to take a perfectly sane and healthy woman, shut her up, make her sit from 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. on straight back benches, do not allow her to talk or move during these hours, give her no reading and let her know nothing of the world or its doings, give her bad food and harsh treatment, and see how long it will take to make her insane. Two months would make her a mental and physical wreck. End quote. Yeah, that would make anyone go crazy. I would think so. And again, that's not even like all of it. I, I spaced it out because there's another quote in a second. That's more directly related to what I'm about to mention, but so she said the uh, the baths, right? So the yes. bath water was completely frigid, and uh, basically there were buckets of like the cold water poured over their heads, so they would literally be in this like cold bath of water, yeah, and it was bath of cold water, and then they would have cold water like poured over them with buckets. After which point, the patients would be, like, roughly washed and scrubbed by the attendants with cold water. She said the bath water was rarely changed. Gross. Yeah, with many patients bathing in the same filthy water. Ew. I hope you're the first person. Yeah. if Well, if they changed it that day. If they changed it. Otherwise, it... uh, Like, no, I'm good, thanks. (laughs) I would rather be dirty, thank you. Honestly, I don't know which way is cleaner at that point, you know? Right. I guess at least you're in your own dirt. <laughs> As opposed to everyone Other, else's dirt. Everyone else's. And like wet, cold, wet yeah. dirt. Um, she said even when the water was eventually changed, the staff wouldn't scrub or clean out the baths. 
Oh, um, so they were all so still dirty. They were like stained and dirty and just gross. Yeah. Uh, she said that the patients also shared bath towels. Oh, gross. With, well, hold on. With healthy patients being forced to dry themselves with a towel, sometimes even previously used by patients with skin inflammation, Ew. boils, or open sores. Guys. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Uh, I have another quote. So it's a quote. My teeth chattered and my limbs were goose fleshed and blue with cold. Suddenly I got one after the other, three buckets of water over my head, ice cold water, two into my eyes, my ears, my nose, and my mouth. End quote. So like, yeah, I mean, not good. Bad. (laughs) In fact, very bad. So like they're sitting outside in the cold all day long. Yep. And then it's bath time. And it's cold water. Freezing water poured all over them. Mm -hmm. How did they not die? Yeah. Hypothermia. Yeah. And like it doesn't sound like it was like heated inside of his brain, you know? So Yeah. Um, so she was in the asylum for which is the crazier part that like she was able to discover all this and write this huge thing, uh, after only being in the asylum for ten days. 10 days? 10 days, yes. She was in there for 10 days, and then the asylum only released her because the New York uh, the New York World's, you know, which is the paper, paper, uh, basically was like, hey, you got to let her go. She ain't <laughs> crazy. Like, we promise. We did this on purpose. Yeah. And so uh, her articles, which were later published as a book, 10, yeah. 10 Days in a Madhouse is the name of it, um, caused Amazon a cart? huge media storm. Uh, I could imagine. The links will be on the website. Don't worry. You can look it up later. Yeah. Huge. Like People were like, what the? And so uh, here's a quote from the actual article uh, that she wrote. I left the insane ward with pleasure and regret. Pleasure that I was once more able to enjoy the free breath of heaven. Regret that I could not have brought with me some of the unfortunate women who lived and suffered with me. And who, I am convinced, are just as sane as I was and am now myself. How do you come back from that, though? Like, she was only in there for 10 days. Imagine the people who have been in there for a month. Yeah. Six months. Years. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, you're being abused in there. You're being mistreated. You're eating crap. You're getting no stimulation, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So, like... Yeah, no shit you're going to be a little insane. Exactly. Like, I don't know. It obviously wasn't helping anyone, you know? No. So the, the asylum was basically backed into a corner, obviously, yeah. and they, they supposedly started to make some very serious changes. Mm. I couldn't find anything specifically that was like, they changed this or they reformed this afterward. On the surface changes. Apparently. Yeah. There were some changes. And, like, because of this article, again, like, with the huge storm that it created, like, yeah. Nelly's fame skyrocketed yeah like a hundred percent p.s everyone there is a movie like i said earlier yeah it looks god awful yeah oh boy um and you know what i i I can't decide if it's so bad that it's good Uh or if it's like just bad we might have to watch some of it to find out yeah it's a it's an indie movie technically speaking Uh um but it has uh the what i'll just but it has the Highlander himself, uh, or Raiden, if that's more your thing, if you're a Mortal Kombat fan. Uh, Christopher Lambert is in it. Uh, he's one of like, the doctor, I think. Um, so that's cool. That's cool. But no one else that I saw that was like relatively famous. 
but again, I think it's technically an indie movie, so it's not like some big Hollywood studio made it. Yeah. Um, and literally, like, it's funny because I wrote that, and I was like, cool, moving on to the next thing. I'm like, all right, what's next in this story? And as soon as I wrote that, I found on another article from this someone like was talking about the, the life of Nellie Bly. Yeah. They mentioned there's actually a Lifetime movie huh. also called Escaping the Madhouse, the Nellie Bly story. Ooh. Starring Christina Ricci. Oh. Actually looks pretty good. Really? Yeah. That, I mean, I was like, I was like, oh, there's another one. Let me check. The, oh, I'll <laughs> play the trailer. Why not? Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. There's yeah, so whoever was put that together might have uh, might have known what they were doing. Okay. It's a little more recent too. I think it said it was like 2018 or 2019. So like oh, wow. came out fairly recently. So maybe that maybe that's why it looks better. Obviously, because it's newer. It's yeah. a little newer. It's you know lifetime. So like a life. It's a lifetime movie. So take that with you yeah. Know, what you will. But, but there's a little more money. There's in a little it. more production value. Yeah. You know that sort of thing. So yeah, it doesn't look too bad. Hmm. But obviously, those the links to the trailers at least will be on the website. Yes. Uh, I highly recommend you check out at least the the first trailer, <laughs> um, but probably both just for like a comparison. So that was the the first I would argue big uh, sort of story that she wrote, right? Okay. The first, the the second. I don't know which one she's more famous for. I think it's probably the second one. Okay. The one that I'm about to tell you about. Yeah. Again, I like the, the the ten days in a madhouse is a pretty huge Yes. So in eighteen eighty eight, Nellie suggested to her editor at the New York World that she should take a trip around the world in an attempt to turn the fictional around the world in eighty days into fact. Oh god. Yep. So a year later, at nine forty AM on November fourteenth, eighteen eighty nine, at twenty five years old. And with only two days' notice, Nellie boarded the Augusta Victoria, which was a steamer ship of the Hamburg-America line, and began her 40,070-kilometer journey. What? Yep. 25 years old, two days' notice, like, hopped on a ship and sailed off to Go go, go around the world. Because this guy wrote a book about it, so like, hey, let's do that. Let's go do that. At 25. And at 25, so she did that. Uh, she took with her the dress she was wearing, a sturdy overcoat, several changes of underwear, a bag tied around her neck that she used for her money, and a small travel bag carrying her toiletry, toiletry essentials. And that was it. <laughs> because she's a freaking bamf, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like also you probably can't bring a lot. You're going around the world in that short amount of time. Yeah, it's like you don't want to, you know, lose something or no. For yeah, you, well, you can't take like multiple suitcases yeah. or something. Yeah, you probably yeah. like one bag and that's it. You know, it's like I'll get over, you know, wearing the same dress for eighty days. I'll yeah. just change my underwear. I'll just change my underwear. No big deal. I have fun facts all over this story. By the I way, I like fun facts. Uh, so fun fact on this one is that the. Uh, a rival New York newspaper, The Cosmopolitan, <laughs> sponsored its own reporter, Elizabeth Bisland or Bisland. It's it's B I S L A N D. So Bisland, I guess. To try and beat the time of 
not only Nellie, yeah, but also like the book. Phileas Fogg, who is the protagonist yes. in Around the World in Eight Days. Yeah, it was a quote from the thing. But yeah, just to backtrack real quick before I get more into that, that the Cosmopolitan, Cosmo, the Cosmopolitan, Cos- this it's the magazine that you're thinking of, Cosmo. <laughs> apparently, used to be an actual newspaper. newspaper that talked about actual news. Wow, I would have never guessed that. And then at some point in its life, they were like, "This makes us more became money." Became co- like the Cosmo that you think of magazine. Yeah, the like women's magazine. Yeah. Yeah, I would have never guessed that that they were a, a newspaper before. I did not guess that. I mm-hmm. read that and I yeah. was like, "No, wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> there was a different Cosmopolitan back then. Yeah, like what's that no. one? Nope, same thing. Huh. Yep. So the plan was for her to travel the opposite way around the world as okay. Nellie, starting on the same exact day. Yeah. Did they have two days' notice too? <laughs> no, I'm sure they had much more time. Apparently, they even actually uh like bribed a ship to leave later so that like elizabeth could get there on time to try to like beat the record because like otherwise she actually wouldn't be there on time to make the ship so she has to wait for a different one and they bribed the ship there was like a whole like thing about it they were doing shady shit it sounds like they probably Mm. were she actually didn't make the ship that they bribed anyway apparently so she had to get on a slower one (laughs) it was like a whole thing but anyway uh nelly actually didn't even know that uh, Elizabeth Bisland or Bisland was going to be making that journey. Yeah. Until Nellie was already in Hong Kong. It was when she was in oh, Hong wow. Kong that someone told her that like, hey, Elizabeth, you know, is going to beat you, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. She's going to kick your butt. She's She came through here three days ago. And well, Nellie's I like. I would hope so. Like, Nellie's like, what? You're going the opposite direction. So. So Nellie was like, I don't understand. Um, Like we're in a race? What? Yep. So she completely dismissed the competition and said, mm. quote, I would not race. Uh, if someone else wants to do the trip in less time, that is a their concern. Good for her. Yeah. She's like, that's not what this is about. Yeah. I'm not doing not, it not, for not, this not reason. Not the problem. And so to sort of help sustain interest in the story, the New York world actually organized a Nellie Bly guessing match <laughs> uh, where they would have readers like estimate basically when she would arrive uh, to the second. Uh, and you would win a grand prize that at first consisted of a free trip to Europe. Ooh. And later on, spending money for the trip. So, like, they would oh. add, they add stuff to it, yeah. Yeah. So. But, again, you have to guess it to the second. Yes. To uh, the second. To Jesus. the second. Which I guess makes sense because it's, like, all of New York is voting mm-hmm. on this thing. So, there's going to be tons of guesses. And... Yeah. Uh, so, the trip itself. Uh, during her trip, Nellie went through England france and in france she actually met jules verne the guy that wrote around the world in 80 days which oh, is pretty cool. cool uh brin brindisi which i forgot to search up apologize uh the the <laughs> Suez canal uh which i did search uh which is an artificial sea level waterway in egypt uh, i guess it connects the mediterranean sea to the red sea in well, case that's you cool. were wondering colombo which is the capital of sri lanka which mm-hmm. i did not know the Straits settlements of Pen- Penang and Singapore. Okay. Hope I didn't butcher that too bad. Hong Kong and then Japan. During those stops, she actually visited a leper colony in China. And in Singapore, she bought a monkey. She bought a monkey. Bought a monkey. Just for shits and giggles. She was just like, you know what? I want a monkey. I want a monkey. So she bought a monkey. Good for her. Um, 
Yeah, uh, so because of the efficiency of submarine cables at the time, I guess, and their cable networks in the electric telegraph, Nellie was able to send short progress reports back to the New York world. Oh, that's cool. Um, but sort of like short updates, like yeah. very like telegraphable very updates. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that was longer than that had to actually travel by regular post. So they would also they would often not get it for like several weeks. So it would be delayed yeah. several weeks. Yeah. Imagine getting back <laughs> like two weeks later your letter arrives yeah, and you're like um wait a second so i guess she traveled using steamships and basically the existing railroad systems that like existed makes sense. uh existing railroad systems that existed in case yes. you didn't know it's 12 30 but apparently it th- that also caused some setbacks like the, the railroads themselves particularly on the asian portion of the trip i guess uh-huh. there was a lot of like railroad difficulty i don't know if it was just mm. trains not functioning properly or properly or like what it was but I couldn't find specifics on that. Mm. It's probably in her book. <laughs> probably. She probably talks about it. But so I guess actually as a result of rough weather on her Pacific crossing, she arrived in San Francisco on the White Star Line ship RMS Oceanic on January 21st, which was two days behind schedule. Okay. So. Two days behind schedule. Currently two days behind schedule. Oh, God. Yeah. However, Joseph I want to say Pulitzer now, and it's like Pulitzer. Now I don't know what his name is anymore. I feel like I've heard it both ways. I have heard it both ways. Okay. Any, my goal any is psych to reference say we it. can get in there. It's like gotta. <laughs> my goal is to say it every episode now because I think this is the second or third episode that I've said it. Just keep saying it. Mm-hmm. I'm in. But yes, any psych reference that we can make, we will. Totally. I probably just missed the opportunity for one right there because I'm so tired. So uh, Joseph Pulitzer ended up chartering. Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Joseph Pulitzer chartered a private train to bring her home. Oh, wow. So she, you know, it's two days behind schedule. So yeah. he literally chartered a private train to bring her home all the way back to uh, New York. So uh, they arrived actually technically back in New Jersey, but... On January 25th, 1890 at 3.51 p.m. Is that still two days behind schedule? So 72 days after her departure from Hoboken, they arrived, she arrived back home. 72 days? 72 days. So she actually beat the book. So, wait. By eight days. Hold on. How is she two days behind schedule, and yet she beat the what she was trying to accomplish. I guess because they chartered a private train. So that saved her? I, I'm assuming that private train is what... 10 like, days? Got her back up to speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I don't think that... I don't think that saved her 10 days. I don't know. I don't... It, unfortunately, uh, again, maybe it's in the articles, but they yeah. don't tell you what... I couldn't find anything that said it originally how long. long it was supposed to be or when she was supposed to arrive back yeah. or any of the, anything along those lines. But the trip itself was 72 days. That's awesome. 72 days around the world at 25 years old. It's pretty incredible. Did the other lady ever make it back? <laughs> so Elizabeth Bisland, Bisland was at the time still crossing the Atlantic. Uh, she arrived back in New York four and a half days later. Ouch. Yeah. Big ouch. Yeah. And uh, one of the big reasons they say for that was because she missed a connection mm-hmm. on a boat that they tried uh, to bribe yeah so the ship she was supposed to board was the 
Etruria, E-T- Etruria, E-T-R-U-R-I-A. Sure. Which apparently was a much faster ship than the one that she ended up on, mm. which was the Bothnia. Bothnia? Sure. B-O-T-H-N-I-A. That sounds Bothnia? Like bo- bo- oh, Bothnia makes way more sense. That is something that someone who knew how words worked would say. <laughs> um, Bothnia is someone who is trying to sound it out would say. <laughs> But yeah, so that's the one that they, like they tried to bribe, and mm. they didn't, you know. Okay. Uh, They're just like, no, you're taking too long. Sorry. But yes, yeah, so at the at the time of her arriving back in New York, Nellie's journey around the world was actually a world record. Yeah. Uh, so she freaking crushed it. Good for her. Damn. Yeah. Uh, it was, however, beat a few months later uh, by a George Francis train. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess train completed the journey in sixty-seven days, uh, and then. Uh, on, he actually made a third trip in 1892 that he completed in 60 days. So he like, I guess was just. Like, I'm bored. Know, I'm gonna go I'm gonna around go the world and a couple times. So we did. Few days possible. So he did. By 1913, however, mm-hmm. uh, Andre Jaeger Schmidt, uh, Henry Frederick, and John Henry Mears had improved on the record. The latter of which completed the journey in fewer than 36 days. Wow. So just, I mean, that goes to show you like how within what, not even a small handful of years, like 15, 20 years, like transportation changed, changed that drastically yeah. to be able to cut that time in half, half, you know, but anyway, I digress back to Nellie. So 1895, Nellie married millionaire manufacturer, Robert Seaman. Ooh. Mm-hmm. He was known for creating ironclad manufacturing which I'll mention later, but they they were known for creating the like, or at least patenting and creating the iconic oil drum barrel. So when you oh, picture okay. like a huge fifty five gallon like oil drum, that That's was what them. they created. Um, at the time of their marriage, Nellie was only thirty one. Uh, Robert Seaman was seventy three. Oh my jeez! So I'm guessing sugar daddy. He was a millionaire, you know. But I mean, it sounds like they got along pretty well. Like it said, you know, from there wasn't a lot of information, but it said like they would constantly go on trips together and they yeah. would spend tons of time together, like doing things along those lines. So mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like it was like. Now again, I, I don't know what the situation was, mm-hmm. but she he was also, thirty-one and he was seventy-three. He also could have just known that like. He's not going to find anybody else, and he enjoyed her company. Yeah, like, I want to, she likes to travel the world. Yeah. I like to travel the world. I got money to travel the world. It doesn't have to be anything gross. Well, and I didn't say it was anything gross. I know, but I mean. I know we're all thinking. Yes. It it doesn't have to be anything like that. Again, it could just be, I enjoy your company. I want to, you know, make sure you're taken care of when I die. So let's get married. I mean, 100%. And so in 1904, uh, due to Robert's failing health, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a sidebar, his failing health, heart disease, Mm -hmm. was brought on after he was struck by a horse and wagon while crossing the street. How does that happen? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if like it like got an artery and like then stuff got clogged up. No, I mean, how do you get hit with a horse? Oh, that's the part you wanted about. Do you not look? Do you not hear the horse? Is the horse running? Maybe they're coming. But you don't hear them. I mean, he's 70 old. Uh, 82. I like 70 old. <laughs> he was 82. So, I mean, he was pretty old. But then, is there no person steering the horse and carriage? Like, do you not see this old man? Sure, but, like, you got to 
keep in mind, like, get a picture, like, the size of roads and stuff back then. You know what I mean? It's not like he could, like, veer off and go in different in different directions. Like, if you're going fast yes. and someone steps out into the road, mm-hmm. you can try to, like, pull back. Chances are you're still going to freaking hit somebody. Yeah, and but- it also doesn't say, like, he was dead center. He could have been clipped, like, yeah, if he was walking fair. and, like, a thing hit him, you know? I guess also my question is, what are you qualifying as a road? I mean, they were in New York, so... yeah. I would I would think a pretty populated road, like a pretty busy road. So then he's just an old guy that shouldn't be walking around by himself. I mean, I don't want to speculate, <laughs> but he was seventy old, as we said. So, uh, eighty two. Anyway, <laughs> due to Robert's failing health, uh, heart disease, Nelly ended up leaving journalism. And took over for Robert as the head of ironclad manufacturing. Oh, wow. Which is extra cool. Apparently, they even, like, changed their marketing a little bit. And mm-hmm. they, like, advertised that, like, ironclad manufacturing, like, one of the only companies this large, like, ran by a woman, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, they would, like, awesome. advertise her as doing that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, it, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like she ran the company fairly well. Well. Um, she, like, made sure the employees had, like, health benefits. They got, like, the super, like, oh. recreational facilities so they could, like, do other kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, overall, cool. she wasn't too bad. I mean, growing up with her father, I'm assuming she learned something from him. Whether or not he was specifically teaching her that, probably not. But that doesn't mean she wasn't, you know, quietly picking up on things. No, for sure. I mean, absolutely. And then in 1904, that same year, they actually began making those steel barrels. There, there have been claims because this is during the time Nellie was in charge. Yeah, that Nellie's actually the one that invented the barrel, mm. or like it was at least her idea or something. Uh, but it, if you look, the inventor, the guy that's like registered with the patent, mm-hmm. is actually Henry uh, Warhan, W E H R H A H N, who oh, was an okay. employee at Ironclad. So oh. he he worked there. Yeah, which is probably why there's more speculation. Like, oh, she was in charge, like, and maybe it was her idea, mm. and they like made, yeah, you know. I mean, it could have been something as simple as her coming up and go, you know, what would work better if we just did this, yeah, and just, oh my god, that works. Well, and I mean, in in and she does hold patents, so mm-hmm. she she is technically yeah. an inventor, so it's it's not too far fetched to be like, oh, she probably had that idea before. Um, she actually holds U.S. patent uh, 697553, so 697,553, and it's for a novel milk can, uh, which is just a, a milk can. I actually, I have, there's a link that's on the website if you look to the patent itself and sort of like the filing so you can like see it and like read what it's supposed to be. And then U.S. patent uh, 703711 or 703,711, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a stacking garbage can, which is exactly what it sounds like. Like picture those little like kid garbage cans like trash bins that like Sit. you can actually like stack yeah it's basically one of those there's like oh. handles on it i think in like the photo of the patent but she invented the stacking garbage can so that's cool kind of neat okay um yeah but while at ironclad she unfortunately did have one very major weak spot apparently she was hopeless at understanding the financial aspects of business mm-hmm. just way over her head she was like nope don't understand any of this so she turned to a factory worker, one of the like factory worker managers. She's like, "Hey, you've been here. You know this works. You you do this." They turned around and embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, so good. the company actually ended up going into debt. Damn. And they were unable to pay it mm-hmm. because he was still embezzling money. Yeah. And they had to shut down. Damn. Yeah. So basically, f bomb time. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Like, 
I hope he, I couldn't find anything about him. him. You know what I mean? But like, I hope he did jail time or something at least. Yes. If if they know he embezzled, I feel like they he probably did. Unless but... he left the country. Or like they found they out much out later. Yeah, like mm-hmm. who knows? So after Ironclad went under, Nellie actually returned to writing. She ended up writing stories on uh, Europe's Eastern Front during World War One. She was actually the first woman and one of the first foreigners to visit the war zone between Serbia and Serbia and Austria, which is insane. Wow. I feel like, <laughs> like, stupid insane. And she was even apparently arrested when she was mistaken for a British spy. <laughs> so she had some fun out yeah. on the uh, Eastern Front during World War One. And I just first woman and the first one of the first foreigners to visit. Uh, yeah, that's I don't know. crazy. That's, crazy. that's freaking insane. And at this point, she's not writing for anybody, is she? She just doing it because, or did she go back to a newspaper? Uh, no. So I actually didn't say specifically if it was back to a newspaper or not. Mm-hmm. Nothing I, I I saw said that. Just that she returned to writing. My assumption would be that she returned to the New York world. I don't know. Yeah. Because she's getting these published somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. What I mean, she, I mean, maybe she's just submitting the stories, but like yeah, either I way, mean, they're being published through she, some sort of. She could be freelancing. Yeah, just but, like I'm going to write these stories, and whichever ones you like, you yeah. can publish. Yeah, but I, if I had to guess, if I had a hanker guess, I would say probably the New York World. That makes sense. Uh, she also covered the woman suffrage procession of 1913, which I had no idea what that was. So, in case you don't know what that is, it was the first suffragist parade in Washington D.C. It was also the, apparently, first large organized march on Washington for a political purpose. Oh, wow. So that's kind of freaking cool. That's cool. But so she covered it under the headline, Suffragists are men's superiors. (laughs) Uh, Her parade story actually predicted that it would be 1920 before women in the United States would be given the right to vote. So she, like, on the money. Was like, this is when it's going to happen. Nailed it. Probably going... It's ridiculous that it's going to take this long. But this is actually, probably a more accurate answer. Yeah. And sure enough, she unfortunately was right. That That's like all the info I could really find on her. So on January 27, 1922, Nellie died of pneumonia at St. Mark's Hospital in New York City, only at the age of 57, which is kind of sad. sad. I mean, considering the amount of stuff she did in the life that she lived yeah. up to that point, I don't see why not. Like, you know, if you gave her another mm-hmm. 20, 30 years, who knows what else she would, like, she would what other done. crazy yeah. things she would have done, you know? But she's, so she's buried at the Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx, which I looked up, and I guess it's like a, I mean, it's obviously just a cemetery, but they actually have a bunch of, like, famous sort of, like, people from history, history. there. A lot of women suffragists and, like, mm. some other cool people, so pretty cool. But just a couple of fun facts to, to leave you with, at least. In 1998, Nellie was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Ooh. She was one of four journalists honored with a U.S. postage stamp in a Women in Journalism set in 2002. The New York Press Club has an annual award called the Nellie Bly Cub Reporter, which is a journalism award to acknowledge the best journalistic effort by an individual with three years or less professional experience. (laughs) And then I've already mentioned. Cub exactly and then i've already mentioned uh obviously there's there's movies there's uh there's there's several shows that she's been mentioned in there's like a theater production oh wow i mean yeah tons of people have tried to tell like this nelly bly story yeah i'm linking you to an extra one because it's cool and it's drunk history Uh, and it's uh laura dern doing the like nelly bly so 
uh, and obviously it's drunk history, so it's not really Laura Dern. It's just Laura Dern's face and like acting, but yeah. then like a drunk person talking. Talking. But if you haven't seen Drunk History, highly recommended. This can be your introduction to it. You're welcome. Yes. Watch the link. But that is it. That is the story of Nellie Bly, the super freaking badass that makes everyone else feel unaccomplished. Yeah, by the age of 25, traveled across the entire world in 72 days. Yeah. Had, went undercover in an insane asylum for 10 days, uh, went to Mexico and got threatened. Almost arrested. By a dictator. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, talk about a crazy life. Yeah, that's insane. I thought it was pretty cool. I like this one. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. Happy to help. Oh, see, I don't even remember about the elevator game uh, creepy story you were telling us about. <laughs> we were doing so good. You're welcome. That's fine. The next time we're in a building, it's at least 10 floors. I'm going to leave you by yourself in an elevator. I'm just going to get off on the first floor of the door opens. I'm like, I'm out. That's it. What if it's the fifth floor? I'm getting off. What if someone starts walking onto the elevator? I'm still getting off. <laughs> I just won't look at him or talk to him. What if she says, where are you going? I'm going to ignore her, <laughs> cry in the, <laughs> in the fetal position, and wish I was dead. That's about it. Can you imagine if you got off an elevator and some woman went, where are you going? I am. Like, I am out. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, uh, what if that happens mm-hmm. and you're out mm-hmm. and then there's no one else, else around? around. I crawl into a fetal position. <laughs> yeah, because did you write down the numbers? Does right? Google exist in this other world? I don't know. Can I Google those oh, numbers? Oh, no. They actually said if you're in the other world, mm-hmm. um, electronics don't usually work. Great. So, like, your phone doesn't work. But are there other computers in the other world? I don't know. Like, is there an other computer? But is the other world computer going to have, like, an alternate well, version? Well, is it going to tell you how to get out of there? But that's the thing. If there's no other people, how Who does created that... it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. Hold on. We're going <laughs> off track here. <laughs> anyway, uh, what can you do? You can follow us on all the socials at Sunshine and Murder Podcast yes. or Sun and Murder Pod. If you're on Twitter. Because Twitter is stupid and has character limits. <laughs> you can email us at Sunshine and Murder Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. You can call Brandy at 555. No, uh, don't do that. You can. What else can you do? Uh, you can leave us a review. On no, 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 hold on. Scratch that out. You cannot. You cannot like maybe leave us because she's the way she said it. She made it sound like it was like a you know if you want to. It is not an option. You have to leave us a review. Either you hate us and you leave us five stars and tell us why you hate us, or you love us and you leave us five stars and tell us why you love us. Yes. And Either way, it's five stars. If you could actually write something, that would be great. Because we have a couple five-star reviews that are just stars, and we hear nothing. And so as far as we're concerned, we're talking to ourselves. Yes. Um, which is still fine. We love you all. Don't worry. But otherwise, I got nothing. I think that's it. Thank God. <laughs> now I will be up until like 7 o'clock in the morning. I take... 50% responsibility. See you guys next week. Bye.